talk sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. I'm Chris Horwardale, joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu. Chris. How are you? Good. How's it going with you? Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too, my friend, and to everyone listening. Uh, going well, and it sounded like you said Tris. I, I I actually think I accidentally did. I, okay. I did not mean to, so well, I'll, I'll own that one. We've got a nickname. I, I, have, I have a brand new nickname. I'm excited about it. This In, in 2020, I'll be Tris. I mean, very, it's, it's like, yeah, it's just very, very appropriate and well mm-hmm. thought out. And, um, yeah, it comes, <laughs> I have Clash no idea where that came from. Rolls off the tongue. I like it. And it's just <laughs> anything to get out of 2020. If that's what it takes to get out of 2020, then so be it. I'm perfect, right. perfectly fine with it. Uh, so we're going to have a shorter show this week. We'll have a shorter show next week and then we'll be back to normal, uh, you know, once we get into 2021. But we've got a lot to talk about while we're here. I've got Bavada Sportsbook open in front of me. We're going to take a look at all of the NFL games this weekend. And it is, it's a pretty fun slate as uh, things really heating up in the NFL. I feel like I, I feel like the NFL season is broken into two halves for me. For the first 10 weeks, I, I say, oh man, I feel like the season just started. And then I get to the point where it's like, wow. It feels like the season's been going on for a while, and we're really close to the end now. <laughs> I know. I I completely agree. I think part of that is, for me at least, it's fantasy football related. Mm. Um, but yeah, once you get through it, you're like, man, this has been going on forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it does feel like that. I totally hear you out. And uh, yeah, like thinking back to early in the season, and you know, Saquon Barkley played like three or four games. That mm. feels like a century ago. You know? Yeah. So that that feels pre-pandemic to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Time is just like so weird right now because while it, it's shocking to think that the pandemic has been going on for nine months, it's also mm. like feels like it's been going on for nine years. And I'm I'm just, man, it's just there's so much going on. So, yeah, but no, it's it's like we're right there. We're at clinching scenarios and many teams have been eliminated already. And, um, you know, I think as we go through these games, too, that's that's important to think about because, um you know, we've got a lot of jobs on the line and that sort of thing that, that, you know, might resolve here in the next two weeks. Before one thing I want to hit on before we get into this week's schedule is a guy who maybe saved his job last week, but really hurt his franchise. And that was (laughs) the New York jets and Sam Darnold managing to win this game against the LA Rams. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are now in the driver's seat to land Trevor Lawrence in the draft in, I guess, a, Right about four months from now. How did this happen? What were they thinking? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we can quickly for anybody that was deluded into thinking that, you know, Greg Williams had been tanking that game against the Raiders. I mean, that's just an inept Greg Williams being an inept Greg Williams. Yes. You know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, is right now it's really easy to just 
just destroy the Jets, but like they're definitely not even close to the worst team in football. And mm-hmm. I think that distinction belongs to the team that won on Monday night with their third string quarterback <laughs> and against another, you know, playoff team and a team that had designs on winning a Super Bowl that seems very much out of it in the Steelers. So yeah, I mean it's it's wild. Like we, you know, three, what, four weeks ago you were talking about the Jets having this massively enormous high ceiling. And I think now it's going to be maybe the storyline of the off season is, you know, do the Jets stick with Darnold? Do they, you know, do, do they go a different direction at number two? If that's where they end up, it seems like that's where they will end up. And is it the Jaguars that now have the most interesting future? And and I think that, you know, there's a strong case to be made that they do. What would you do if you're, you're Joe Douglas in the New York Jets sitting there at two? Do you, is this a don't overthink it kind of situation and just take your quarterback or are you taking, you taking a tackle to protect Arnold? Uh, I'm not taking a tackle to protect Arnold. I'm taking a tackle if I decide Sewell is like this generational tackle. Mm. And, you know, we haven't seen him for over a year. So yeah. I think that uh, the devil's in the details of that statement. And, and you know, if for me, at my, my impression, and I know that his stock has kind of fallen for whatever reason, but I, I'm taking Justin Fields. And mm. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm ransoming Darnold, but at the same time, like you're not necessarily in a position where you have to get rid of him. Um, I do think Fields is ready to play right away. He's not like a Jordan Love type. And, um, (laughs) you know, so I, I I mean, I, if you're not getting what you think you should get for him, I'm okay with not, uh, you know, not just giving him away, like, you know, the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen or whatever. So I I don't know. And I think there will be a better market for Donald Donald. And part of that is because of how he's performed here down the stretch. But I don't know. I I think it's an interesting thought, but like if you've got Sula's number one, and I, I don't know. Cause like he hasn't played this year. So if it was a situation like last year where you had like Chase Young or Justin Fields, I think I would take Chase Young. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you know, I do think Fields is really, really good. We made the luck RG3 comp earlier this this season. And while obviously RG3's career hasn't gone the way it was looking like it would, had he stayed on that trajectory, I think that was still a fine move for Washington. And um, and I, I kind of still feel that way about Fields. Like, I think that he's going to be a really, really good quarterback. I agree. And it is funny that Sewell has seen his stock drop while not playing. He went from being this player everyone viewed as, you know, as you sort of alluded to, a generational offensive tackle prospect, best tackle in, in a decade. Now he hasn't played, theoretically has been training, getting better, getting stronger, and we're starting to suddenly nitpick. It just doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, he's still really young. He opted out for very good reasons, yeah. and I'm not sure, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm not sure why him sitting would really hurt his stock in any way, and I, and you know, the draft isn't tomorrow. It's, there's going to be a process. It's probably going to be a better process than last year because mm-hmm. they'll be able presumably to have pro days, even if it's, you know, very socially distant pro days. I would be, I would guess that that will still happen. I don't know what yeah. your thoughts are on that, but it, assuming they do, then I think Sewell will yet again reemerge. And, and that is where the Bengals winning really does. I like, you know, the Jets are getting a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, trash for, for winning that game and rightfully so because of what Trevor Lawrence is, but the Bengals winning takes them out of consideration for two. And then again, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, this is a team. There's no question what they need, you know? And so if it takes you out of position to get that guy, 
because you beat your rival. Like I, I'm a, I don't know. I think that they they're kind of flying under the radar of what you know maybe the the criticism that maybe they should be drawing for that. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, it's it's always difficult. Look, we say this every single week. Teams might sort of set up a scenario where they're less competitive, but players don't tank. When players are on the field, these guys are playing hard. They're trying to win. And that's exactly what we saw from the Bengals. And especially in a divisional game like that, they're going to give the raw. And uh, you know, Ryan Finley's not a guy who's going to get a, a ton of opportunity. So mm-hmm. he's always going to look to make the best of it. It's it's a challenging situation, right? And, you're, mm-hmm. and the Bengals sort of fall in, into a weird spot if the Jets do decide to take Sewell. Uh, but hey, you know, we talk about Sewell not playing for a year and all of a sudden we're nitpicking his abilities. I I don't know where you stand, but I, I hold Daniel Jeremiah in as high esteem as anyone in the draft community. <laughs> and I, you know, he he thinks Rashawn Slater may be a better prospect than Sewell. And Rashawn Slater also hasn't played this year. So I yeah. don't know how that uh, how that happened, that we, we found more to like in Slater and less to like in Sewell without either one Good of them point. playing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the, there I think is, it's there's like talent there. Rewatching, rewatching the Chase Young game yeah. essentially is like what everyone says. But I agree. I I don't really. I'm I like DJ Fine. I think that he's good. Uh, I wouldn't have gone. I know that you you'd love to see him in the front office in Philly. I I'm not there. I I don't know. I mean, maybe he'd be great. Maybe not. But I think that um, yeah, like that stuff is is obviously just. A, I mean, I'm sure they're doing their own research, but B, it's it's probably mostly talking with their buddies in the industry and realizing like, oh, we've got we missed on this guy. Like this this is a guy who's held in equally high regard as as the Oregon tackle. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. And Dara Shaw is there as well. So there are there are high end tackles, depending on whether or not you consider Slater a tackle or a guard. He is only six three, three hundred pounds. So mm-hmm. probably right. that would probably be my concern. Yeah. But, you know, we have seen those guys succeed. Uh, and there's the the Eisenbergs and the Jalen Mayfields. They're, this is an interesting tackle class. But let's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not I'm not too worried about it from the Bengals' perspective. Plus, it sets up a, a fascinating end to the year in my household if, if things oh, yeah. play out like I think they should this weekend. No, yeah. and, you know, the other thought to tanking, just to put a bow on that, and, and, you know, it's related to picking games for these next few weeks, is, you know, these the guys on the field and the coaches generally aren't going to be around after this year if they're mm-hmm. in position to tank, you know, like yeah. with the exception of Mike McCarthy, it seems, and Kyle Shanahan and even McCarthy's still alive, you know. And so like but like except for Kyle Shanahan, there's really not a lot as far as like coaches that are, are locked into being around long term. And so, I mean, that like for Zach Taylor or for, you know, Frank or not Frank Reich for, for um, Adam Gaze or, you know, any of these guys like that, that is probably like, it's more important for them to win the game. And mm-hmm. it's more important for the players on the team to win that game and perform well than it is for them to be like, Oh, at least we're going to have, you know, Trevor Lawrence in house next year, because the reality right. is most of them are probably going to be gone anyway. So um, that's, that's important to keep in mind. I started thinking. I was watching the uh, the Warriors Nets game last night, and I started mm-hmm. thinking about this. And I I wonder if it applies to Kyle Shanahan as well. But I started thinking like, have we seriously overrated Steve Kerr as a head coach? And I I wonder if we've also really overrated Kyle Shanahan as a head coach based on one kind of lucky year. Mm, 
Yeah, I disagree with that. I think that his offense that he ran in Atlanta, where they basically should have had the Super Bowl well in hand, is is an important note. I think that that's, that's offense, an offensive coordinator job, though. That's not being the head coach. Well, their offenses were okay. That's fair. I mean, I guess depending on what you how you value a head coach, like to me, I, I like I I judge him on what he has control over. So like. For me, he was clearly in charge of that offense. He took them to the next level. He made Matt Ryan an MVP. And, you know, he's never even sniffed those stats since then or before mm. then. So, I mean, that that's one. And then, obviously, what San Francisco did in turning that thing around is another. And, you know, even in Cleveland, like, he basically asked to leave. And I know that that wasn't, like, a banner performance. But he was, you know, pretty – they, that was the best they had looked up until now, basically, with Kevin Stefanski. So, I don't know. I, I, I still hold him in very, very high regard, especially because, like, I don't think that the pieces he has even now are, you know, maybe this year they've been better, obviously, but with all the injuries they've had, I think he has a, a ready-made excuse. Um, but, you know, it's not like last year's Niners were, like, you know, the, the greatest show on turf or something like that. So, I give him some credit. Steve Kerr, I totally understand the argument. I love him, but I, th- I completely understand where you might say, you know, he's a product of the super teams that he's been afforded. Uh, to yeah. Have. Yeah. I mean, at one point, Luke Walton was supposed to be the all-star game head coach just because he was filling in for Steve Kerr. Right. And I think Luke Walton was like either undefeated or what, 18 and one or something. Yeah. Like something crazy. And Luke yeah. Walton's just not a good head coach. No, I think we've seen enough of that story. So, yeah, I completely get it. I think basketball is just so different from football in that way. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's a conversation worth having, and especially if they're not good again next year. Like, he could very well be, you know, on the chopping block, him and John Lynch. Yeah, I just wonder, really good offensive coordinator, not such a good head coach. But, you know, time, time will bear that answer out. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get to the games this week. Christmas Day, the Minnesota Vikings head to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints, and Bavada has the Saints minus seven. I, I don't know. Did you catch the Saints-Chiefs game? A little bit. Yeah, so no Michael Thomas mm-hmm. with Drew Brees is such a big difference for them, I think. And Brees was clearly, you know, kind of working his way back and looked a lot better in the second half. I just... I, I'm not sure about the Saints. I really like the Vikings to cover here. I know that the Vikings didn't look great either, and that was basically a playoff game for them against the Bears. So we'll see if they keep, you know, the pedal down. Um, but, you know, for the Saints, they're basically, I mean, they have to win out, and they need a lot of help to try to jump up into the one seed. So my hunch by putting Thomas on IR is that they're thinking, I, I don't know. I, I think they're thinking <laughs> that, you know, the rest of the season is basically – in the bag and they're, you know, they're just biding their time. I think you might be right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to Detroit to take on the Detroit lions and Bavada has the lions plus nine and a half at home. Oh man, that's a big number. And the lions, of course, nothing to play for at this point, but you know, Matt Stafford is playing and um, Sean Ryan is, it looks like is going to coach for them. Um, their offensive coordinator and a name that's been bounced around a little bit over the last few years for head coaching interviews. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that's like the, these are interesting scenarios because I think that's like an empty the bag sort of game. And, and you know, he's trying to maybe become a play caller down the line. So I, I, I like the Lions to cover in major part because, like, I don't think this Tampa Bay team is all that good. And I don't think that they're playing well. I know that they they post a massive comeback against Atlanta. But, you know, that's 
I don't know, take that for a, with a grain of salt, I think. So I, I, um, I like Detroit to cover that number. Yeah, that game drove me crazy, too, as I, I need the Falcons to win to jump ahead of the Eagles in the draft standings. It's, it's, no. it's, it's, it's where we are at this point in the year. But <laughs> the uh, the ultimate bro head coaching matchup here, the aforementioned Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers head to Arizona to take on the Arizona Cardinals, coached by one Cliff Kingsbury. Bavada has the Cardinals minus five at home. I really like Arizona here, although it's been hard to get a real handle on them. And I'm interested to get your perspective on Kyle or having watched that game directly against your boys. But, yeah. you know, that that back and forth was really fun in the second half. And um, I, I just think this Arizona team is super dangerous um, because of the amount that they can just post on anyone in the playoffs. So give me Arizona. I think that I think that San Francisco to our original conversation is you know, they don't have a lot to gain here. And I think that they're in a position where Kashanan knows he's secure longer term. And so I, I do, I think that, uh, I think Arizona puts a, a big win on San Francisco here. Yeah. Kyler's interesting. Uh, I've, I've gone out and said, I think Kyler's a future MVP. I thought he was a sleeper MVP candidate this year, obviously not going to happen with the Cardinals. Uh, not at quite as good as maybe we'd hoped eight and six isn't exactly, uh, isn't there. And that, that run game is terrible outside of Kyler when when Kenyon Drake can't seem to get it going and they don't it the, the Kenyon Drake Chase Edmonds combo just doesn't seem harmonious to me yes, for, for whatever agreed. reason. I, I don't get why they don't use Edmonds as their main guy. Like yeah. I, I think he fits so much better with Kyler and then Drake Drake should be like a true backup for him, I think. And their offense is interesting too in their passing game because Look, Kyler's first read, and you know, probably justifiably, he is looking for nuke on every single play. It is the progression is nuke, and then everybody else. Uh, he got nine, one sixty nine, and a touchdown against the uh, really bad Eagles secondary last week. I, I think he needs to trust his eyes a little bit more and mm. use the rest of the offense. Just, and that's gonna that's gonna make things easier for Hopkins as well. But at the same time, you can't argue with twenty seven to thirty six for four hundred and six yards and three touchdowns. Murray is not to mention the rushing numbers. Not not to mention, yeah, actually, kind of, kind of lesser running game. Although we did get a score uh, eight for twenty nine and a touchdown. Mm. But I don't. It's I think he would frustrate the hell out of me if he was on if he was my quarterback, especially because of his unwillingness to put two hands on the football under any circumstances. It just seems like he is a fumble waiting to happen every time he touches the uh, every time he runs with the football. Um, yeah, I don't know. And by the way, he was actually the second uh, most effective passer behind Andy Lee in that Arizona passing offense last week. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to make a Jalen Hurts comment there, but um, no, I, I I don't disagree with that. I think he would drive me crazy because he is clearly, uh, you know, you said one read and then he kind of like then it's everybody else. But it seems to me it's one read, then see if he can run, then it's everybody else. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it's like, it's almost like he he runs to a fault. And it, that's obviously not sustainable for someone that's his stature, although he's, you know, he's pretty thickly built. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little, I'm, we'll see. We'll see how he progresses. But I wouldn't have guessed that he would be so, I, I don't know, locked in on one guy coming out of a system that, you know, helped to build him into the Heisman winner that he was you know i thought that he'd be more trusting of what kingsbury has built but that being said like hard to argue with some of the raw passing numbers and rushing numbers he's posted this year 
Yeah, and all in all, we have to look at it as it's awfully good for an athletic outfield prospect. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Like thinking about it from that perspective, it's he's one of the most talented athletes in the world ever. Yeah, just yeah. I think the eleventh pick in the draft, just just mm-hmm. utterly insane. The Miami Dolphins head to Las Vegas to take on the Las Vegas Raiders, and Bavada has the Raiders plus three at home. This one doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I, I think the Dolphins are clearly way better. The Raiders mm-hmm. are out effectively. And I, I will say, I hope we see Marcus Mariota again, because I thought what he looked like on Thursday was a completely revamped version of himself, the one that, you know, it obviously flashed in Tennessee at times. I I was so impressed with his rushing ability in particular, but, you know, like this is a team built around Derek Carr. And so to, to put in uh, to put in Mariota and have him perform the way he did was, I, I thought, just he like he's just ready. You know, he's such a pro and I'm, I'm such a big fan of his. I just I hope he he lands somewhere else that's not Chicago and uh, and he gets a chance to start next year because I think he's that good for sure. You know, I've uh, I've been pushing all last year. I pushed for Jameis Winston to land with the New Orleans Saints. Now I'm I'm going to make the move to I would love to see Mariota in New Orleans. I would too, but it's Sean Payton said like Winston is going to get his chance to succeed. Breeze, he said that like exact line, which is crazy to me. And I see, I don't know if I buy that though, because they they don't even go to Winston as the starter when Breeze is out, right? I know, yeah. Mariota, like the way he played the other night, he was almost like a better version of Taysom Hill. Exactly. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't really. You're right. They, if they really believed in Winston, I would assume they wouldn't. They wouldn't put him on ice. Like they'd, they'd have him out there unless they, you know, wanted to feature him. I don't know. That makes that makes no sense. I, I have no idea. It, it, I, but I'm very curious because, like, the game of musical chairs with the quarterbacks this year and the four first round, yeah. not five or six quarterbacks that we're going to see. Like, there's just there's not going to be enough starting spots for all these guys. It's funny because I was just thinking that I can't wait to get to the point in the off season where we can do the quarterback predictions. The musical chairs. Like, yeah. I love it's so much fun. I'm I, like I want you know I've I've been a big advocate of Darnold to the Patriots. I'd love to see Mariota to the Saints. This this is going to be such an interesting off season with where these guys are going to land. And the question of mm. you know do Matt does Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan join this list? Yes. Yeah. And Cam Newton's and just Carr. done, so I think we can cross that one out. Carr's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Roethlisberger hasn't looked the same. What's oh, he, not only the like same, and... he looks terrible. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. And, you know, where is Wentz playing next year? I right? think there's a, there's oh, a bigger God. list yeah. this year than there was last year, and last year seemed huge. Well, last year had the scepter of, of Tom Brady hanging over it. And That's true. This year, um, you know, that, that's it's not there isn't one domino that needs to fall for everything else to sort of work itself out. So, yeah, I mean, Patriots, Colts, Steelers, there's going to be a lot of of rant of teams that uh, you're not used to seeing as needing a quarterback this offseason. How about this one? How do you feel about Mariota with your boy Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco? Oh, that is terrifying in my mind, especially you know, the Niners are what probably drafting in the middle, low to middle first round, like around really around where they were when they traded up. By the way, that Buckner trade looks so bad. Um, yes, yes, it does. But they're, picking, they, they're picking 12 right now. Right. So say they they wind up around 10 to 12. I mean, they're not getting 
Zach Wilson. They're probably not getting Fields. They're definitely not getting Lawrence. So, you know, now where are you? Are you taking are you taking Kyle Trask? That doesn't really fit. I, yeah, I mean, it does not. And Mac, Mac Jones, Jones doesn't work. No. And so, I mean, Mariota or, yeah, I mean, Mariota is like an ideal fit. Although we haven't seen Kyle Shanahan with like a running quarterback I, other than RG3 back in the day. I mean, it would be really fun to see them with someone like that for sure. Yeah, Lance is an interesting fit there if he's still Lance, on the board. Yes. There are yeah, this is this is going to be so much fun. I cuz there is a legitimate chance. I I think that over under for quarterbacks right now is probably 5. In um, the first. In the first, yeah. Yeah. Five, I would say it's 5 and a half. 5 and Okay, so four guaranteed. So you're saying four guaranteed, one of Trask and Mac Jones? Right. If not both. I mean, and that's why I say five and a half. I I could see both also. I just don't know who. I think there's going to be a first round caliber quarterback available in the second, the way it's shaping up. Well, Pittsburgh feels like they're they're going to take their quarterback at in the end of the first round this year. It just seems like it's the year for that. You have you have Mm -hmm. Steelers fans on Reddit calling for uh, Mason Rudolph to start over Ben Roethlisberger right now. That's that's where we've gotten. the the Jets, the Jets pick twenty six. If they don't, if they do end up going with with Sewell or somebody, then then Mac Jones or, or Trask is kind of interesting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is. Well, we can. All right, we this is Panthers this is a, are another the, one too. No, this is a rabbit hole that we just don't have the time to fall down <laughs> right now. Plenty of time for this. Let's yes, let, let's get to Atlanta, where the Atlanta Falcons head to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Pavada has the Chiefs minus ten and a half. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Wow. Good thing the Falcons are out of it, or else this would be such a brutal way to end their season. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, hard to pick against the Chiefs. They've got everything to play for with that one seed. And, um, I mean, they can't look past this game, but I think it's a great chance for them to, to try out whatever they are going to end up doing at running back down the stretch um, and into the playoffs, because I don't know that Edward Elair is going to be even if he's back, I don't think he'll be like their guy, their bell cow by any means. So um, seeing what they've got in Le'Veon Bell, Daryl Williams, I think is, is going to be the move, and that should be more than enough against uh, against these Falcons. I don't disagree. Yeah, when that's it's going to be interesting to follow that Edwards Alaire injury because uh, some ramifications to that moving forward. But the mm-hmm. resurgent Chicago Bears head to Jacksonville to take on the future home of Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bavada has Trevor Lawrence's Jaguars, which is the official team name now, plus seven and a half. Oh man, Bears lane seven against anyone is is hilarious to me. But they are playing better. I mean, their offense has scored thirty points in a row, what four straight games, I think. And so, mm-hmm. I, I mean, more than they've had since I can remember in that in terms of offensive output and. I mean, hey, if it's going to keep Mitch Trubisky in Chicago, I'm all for it. So, <laughs> um, I, but no, I I, uh, I think that you know it doesn't even sound like Minshew may not even start, and yeah. the Jags are firmly in the tank. And um, you know, while they've played tough at times, I think that the Bears are they've got their eyes set on this wild card. I don't know if it'll be enough, but I like them to win this one. But I think we'll go the uh, ten and four Cleveland Browns head to New York to take on the New York Football Jets. Bavada has the Jets. Plus nine and a half at home. I I mean, this is a prime spot to back the Browns, I think, just because like of what happened last week. The Jets are still not a good team, and the no. Browns are a good team. I mean, very clearly to me, they played 
you know, like a C plus game, I thought against the giants and still dominated. And, um, and you know, that I, you could say Colt McCoy, but the Seahawks just lost to Colt McCoy two weeks ago at home. So I think the Browns are, are a dangerous team in the playoffs for at least one, if not two rounds. And, um, you know, Mayfield's just been so good. I, beyond just how good he's been, like he's protecting the ball so well. I think he's Mm -hmm. let one interception over the last month or something. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's, he's been great and they're, they're in a rhythm. So I like the Browns here. Yeah. I've seen pretty much every Browns game for the last six plus years. And this is the first time I remember a boring Browns win. (laughs) Those are the, that's when you've reached that next tier, you know, of like a fandom where you're like, yeah, whatever. Um, All right. So I need to ask, you got the AFC, you know, Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, Colts, Browns, um, you know, who is Titans, of course, the way they're looking, Bills. Where do you rank? Who who do you have favored over the Browns at any point in the game? Like, I mean, going into AFC teams better than the Browns right now. And you're going to ask me this question right before Christmas and ruin my holidays. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that so much. I I genuinely appreciate that. Uh, yeah, this is this is just for us. This is redacted. Just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, okay. Well, the Chiefs, with no question. Um, I want to pull up a list here just so that Bills. Yeah. Um. You're a Josh oh, Allen guy. Maybe I am a Josh Allen guy. I okay. I'm going to say the Chiefs are in a tier all their own. The Chiefs are th- by the best team in the AFC. Um, yeah, fair, very fair. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't, don't forget that Washington football team, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I think gun to my head, the bills are probably better. Although I will say like, there's not a team other than the chiefs who will have a buy in the first round that really like terrifies me. The, the well, bills, there won't be another team with the buy in the first round. In well, the AFC, right? the, so. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't get the Chiefs. So I don't see a team that that would terrify me uh, you know, as a, a Browns supporter. Right I, now. I mean, I'm the way they up. looked against the Titans, I think that's a perfect – because, like, the Titans are, are just as scary as anyone, even though their defense sucks, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, so you've got Bills, Ravens, Titans, and especially if the Browns have a home game. Right. Like I think that's so important for them. So right now they would be playing the Titans and that actually that actually worries me more than some of the other teams just because it, it's so tough to to beat a team twice. Yeah. Um, especially that team. Especially right that now, team twice in, in December January, yeah. Yeah. Um so my official answer is Chiefs, probably the Bills and then I'll put I'll put the Browns in a tier with everybody else. Okay. Yeah. I think that this is what makes the both really both conferences so interesting to me. I I, I think the Ravens are the second best team just because of Jackson and because you assume they'll be healthier in the playoffs. At, they're, at they're not back. in the playoffs right now though. I they're I'm thinking they're definitely going to make it though, just based on what they have left. And the Dolphins, I assume, will lose one of these two games. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. If, if the Ravens don't make it, then I, the Browns have a great shot against, you know, you just cross your fingers that you don't play the Chiefs in the second round and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're right there with the Bills, Titans, Ravens. Um, Steelers. You know, I think they're better than the Steelers. Well, like, that's, right yeah, now, no question. Yeah, I agree. The Steelers, man, talk about the, the fakest 
unbeaten team in in the NFL. And all that talk that Mike Tomlin was going to be coach of the year, I do not think that's on the table anymore. <laughs> I don't either. I, I think that the Steelers are now officially slightly underrated, but that doesn't mean that they're, I think they're like a, like a true contender. I just think that they're not like, you know, a bottom feeder, which I think is what a lot of people are thinking of them as right now. Agreed. All right, let's finish this up. The Indianapolis Colts head to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Bavada's got the Steelers plus one and a half at home. Yeah, the aforementioned Brown supporters have to be huge Colts fans this weekend. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, man, hard. I, like, this is not the team that the Steelers want to be playing. Like, I mean, a super disciplined, really good team in Rivers also protecting the ball really well. So I don't know how you take the Steelers here. Um, so I'll, I'll take the Colts. I can't, like, I can't even explain how crazy the, this next week would be. Week 17 would be if this played oh, out like man. this. <laughs> sedation will be necessary the denver broncos head to los angeles to take on the los angeles chargers or i i don't remember where the chargers are playing you're right you're right, all right okay oh good i felt all right didn't feel good about it but you luck on to things every now and then the right, chargers yeah. minus three and a half at Bavada. yeah i think the chargers are are back to trying even though they don't probably need to maybe to save anthony anthony lynn's job but Justin Herbert's your rookie of the year, and mm-hmm. uh, I think he shows it yet again this game. The Rams head to Seattle to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Bavada has the Seahawks minus one at home. Man, a huge game, and like two teams that, you know, would probably have been maybe one, two in the NFC hierarchy a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, no guarantees on the playoffs for the Rams. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that I, I like the Rams here. I think that they come bounce back off the mat after that embarrassment. And, uh, you know, they're so talented. Like, they just need a little motivation. I think they get it, and they get it done here against Seattle. The Philadelphia Eagles head to Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Bavada has the Cowboys plus two at home. Two teams somehow not out of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, I mean, the Eagles clearly have something, or, like, they found something offensively with the juice of Jalen Hurts. And, uh, I mean, you want to talk ultimate storylines of this offseason. Obviously, Wentz and Hurts is the other one. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the Eagles. I think they're just a, a much better team right now than the Cowboys. The Tennessee Titans travel to Green Bay to take on the Green Bay Packers. Bavada has your Packers minus three at home. Terrifying game for the Packers. I mean, if you want to look at, like, worst-case scenarios as far as what's across the field, it's Derrick Henry for Green Bay. But mm. I do think that the Titans' defense is horrendous, and they're coming off a game where they gave up so many yards to a banged-up um, and points to a banged up Matt Stafford without all his weapons. So I think the Packers are going to look really good in this game offensively, and they had that extra day, which helps. So I do like Green Bay to win this. And finally, the Buffalo Bills head to New England to take on the New England Patriots. I'm sure the weather's going to be great. Patriots plus seven at home. Uh, we official NFC East or AFC East coordination for Josh Allen. I know that they already have the division clinched, but um, I think that now you see the mail in for the the Patriots. And uh, yeah, I think the bills go in there and pound them. Well, there we are. All right. That is going to be all for us this week for Ashikana. I'm Chris Horwadell wishing you the happiest of holidays, wherever you are. This has been the underdog. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here next week.